It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George at New York. I'm Bill Calagero and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening or watching. Hope you're doing uh, okay today. And speaking of today, the sun is finally out here in upstate New York. I mean, uh, I, I, I got a little scared. I got a scared this morning. Wondering what that yellow thing in the sky was, you know. Jeez, uh, I was uh, getting ready to... Sail away. It's been raining so much. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons Island to get a decent Italian meal. And speaking of going to St. Simon's, I'm going to be there next week. That's right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, actually, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, swing by Sal's if you're in the area and talk some boxing with me and Sal. We'll both be there at the restaurant enjoying his Italian cuisine, and you should stop by too. But uh, we're only going to be there uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so uh, check us out. Today's show is also uh, being brought to us in part by Gawk Box. Gawk Box? What is it, you say? What is it, you say? Well, I'll say this. It's a way to save you money. It's a way to get you stuff for free. And it's a way to help us out. What's better than a two-way street? Check out Gawk Box. Create an account today. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino. Check out their next boxing event, which is Friday night uh, for the International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. Get yourself some tickets. Make sure you mention Billy C. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just go to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why we got a five-star rating across the board. Oh, you're looking for a signed copy? Don't worry about it. I'll hook you up, man. I'll hook you up. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Special shout-out to all of our WGIG listeners in Brunswick, Georgia. And uh, if you guys haven't been to uh, Sal's yet, would you go over to Frederica Drive on St. Simon's Island? You won't regret it. It will be a regular stop. Hey, you want to take out some pizza? You can get it. Trust me. Go there. Listen, coming up uh, on the show a little bit later, we got my man, Larry Hazard, joining us. 
I got some uh, questions for him, and I'm looking for his opinion. Later after that, later after that, or let me let me break. Take, Billy C, take two. After that, yeah, 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 that's better. After that, we got uh, the blast from the past. Alex Papali is going to be presenting the blast from the past with me. One of my favorite fighters. Thank God we got somebody that requested him. Rocky Graziano, former world middleweight champion and Boxing Hall of Famer, and what a character he was. We'll be talking uh, to him uh, a little bit later. And speaking of characters, and speaking of Rocky, joining me right now is my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal Rocky Senecola. <laughs> Good morning, Bill, and I can't believe how apropos. Your blast from the past is one of my favorite fighters of all time, Rocky Graziano, and Rocky gave me my ring name. That's a story I'll go into later. Hey, well, uh, I hope you didn't. What did you turn into an Irishman since yesterday? Well, yeah, the green. green. What's with the green right now? You know, easy. I want to be over there. What's with I the green? Be up north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You reminded me of my hapless Jets, man. You know. I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I would. Well, I, I, would. Know, I, I do have a blue shirt. I could bring out the giant blue. Oh shirt. God, I don't know what's worse: seeing you in Jet Green, knowing that my season is already over, or watching you in uh, in Giant Blue. It, it's it's either one is bad, but hey, some news happened since uh, yeah. the last time we did our show, which was uh, <clears throat> yesterday. Um, <laughs> it was announced. Well, I got it. A little birdie told me, and uh, it will be officially announced next week. But um, the rematch, uh, Anthony Joshua uh, against uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, apparently, Vladimir Klitschko is exercising his rematch clause in the contract. Ow. Uh, Sal, quickly, I'm going to let you give us your thoughts first. What's your thoughts? The rematch uh, taking place uh, before the end of this year. As a matter of fact, uh, according to uh, uh, multiple reports, this fight must take place before December 2nd. So the uh, uh, initial thought was that this fight was going to be taking place in November, and it looks like it will be taking place in November. Um, what's your thoughts, my man? Well, I'll I tell you, I, I, I can think of two people that are glad to hear that, probably Al Heyman and Deontay Wilder. But uh, I'll tell you, other than that, I think that it, it should be a great fight. I mean, it was a good fight the first time around. And uh, as I said, we, we both had a draw going into that uh, uh eighth round and you know uh i definitely think that uh it will be a good fight um and joshua will either solidify his place as a heavyweight champion or vlad will have one more thing to pull out of his vlad bag his vlad bag is that like a the vlad (laughs) bag of tricks (laughs) boy is that a vlad Vlad bag bag of tricks no no is is that a ziploc vlad bag or is that oh wait a minute is that a glad bag i I don't know stop plugging these places man come on for my puns but uh i I tell you you know uh ninety thousand people were uh, in the live audience in in uh, in April when uh, they fought April 29th. And you're right, Sal. We got treated to a, a great fight. And uh, in my opinion, Anthony Joshua, uh, after winning, getting up off the canvas and and <laughs> arguably uh, watching Vladimir Klitschko in one of his best performances, even at even at uh, over 40 years old. Uh, you know, I I have mixed emotions about the rematch. I'll be honest. I. I really don't think that the rematch. I, I mean, if if the fight went to the scorecards, um, 
and it ended in a different way. I agree with you. The fight was was close. It was even going into that eleventh round. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, going yeah going into that ninth round, it was definitely uh, definitely even on my scorecard. Uh, I did see Joshua take away the ninth round, the tenth round, and I said to myself that Vlad needed the eleventh big and the twelfth big to win a decision. However. It never got that far because uh, Joshua, as we know, ended the fight in the 11th round. You're right, and uh, I uh, was wrong. I, I, I was saying that the fight was even in the uh, 11th, but you, we both had it uh, even, even after the uh, uh, going into the 9th, meaning that the yes, last sir. four rounds were going to make the difference of the fight. But, um, but the truth of the matter is, is that the fight ended by stoppage, by knockout. And, uh, you know, in, yes, in, in, a, in a way that was... You know, basically, no, you, you can't make any excuses. Uh, you can't uh, argue that the fight was stopped prematurely. I know a lot of uh, fans thought that uh, Klitschko should have been allowed to continue. I don't think he thought he should, and he was in some trouble, you know. Uh, but my point, Sal, is that the fight, it wasn't a controversial ending. Yes, it was a great fight, but it wasn't a controversial ending. And I really didn't think that, we needed to see another rematch. Now, I understand the business side, of course, and, and Vladimir Klitschko uh, had the uh, say whether there was going to be a rematch or not. And I'm just not sure of, of, of you know, the reasons, you know, aside from, you know, probably uh, uh, 20 million reasons. But, but, but the truth of the matter is I don't see an outcome being any different. And, and if it did, if there was a different outcome, if Vladimir Klitschko did happen to come back and beat uh, Anthony Joshua in the rematch, well, I would think that it would have to set up a, a third fight. But I don't see the fight going uh, any different. As a matter of fact, I see Vladimir Klitschko possibly fighting a more cautious fight the second time around, trying to protect himself, and maybe Anthony Joshua going after Klitschko sooner than what he did and somehow work on his conditioning. Because remember... He was spent. He was out of gas, man. How how he got refueled in between rounds, I don't know. But if you recall, a, a, a fly landing on him would have knocked him over, and and you know, and he wasn't holding or nothing. So it's going to be interesting to see what he learned from that fight, Sal. Oh yes, you were one hundred percent right. I think it was the fifth round. I could be wrong. That Anthony Joshua just looked like he took his ever ready battery and uh, and he just charged out. I mean, he literally he said, "This is the round I'm going to stop you. I'm going to knock you down." And he just literally literally charged at him and throwing punches, flailing away. And he caught Vlad and dropped Vlad. And uh, you know, I was surprised when Vladimir Klitschko got up. But not only did he get up, but he fought back that fight that round. Because that round he got dropped in early part of the round, but he came back not only lasted the round, but he almost uh, came back to enough where you could have said, well, you know, instead of a 10-8, maybe I'll get a 10-9 round. But he did come back, and Anthony Joshua was doing all he could do to hold on. I mean, toward the end of the round, because he was just totally out of gas, and that's when Vlad, you know, started coming on. So, you know, when fighters have a rematch, besides a 20 million dollar incentive. They each may feel they're going to best the other uh, guy in a more credible fashion in a sense where you're going to see Anthony Joshua. He feels now he owns Vladimir Klitschko. 
and he's going to uh, go out there and capitalize on what was good and uh, <clears throat> hopefully not see what was bad. Working on his conditioning, working on inside fighting, his tying up, all the good things that he should have done and learned from that fight. Vladimir Klitschko, on the other hand, as you said, is he going to fight a more cautious fight or is he going to put the pedal down earlier knowing that he could gas out maybe uh, uh, Joshua if he's not ready and prepared and he's going to take it to another level, another round? I don't know. But it's going to be an interesting observation to see what strategies two fighters will use. And hopefully it's going to be at least a, an, an equal of the first fight uh, with the action and the ebb and flow of the second fight. You know, I, I'm not. Listen, the one thing I love about Anthony Joshua, and the reason why I think that he's the best heavyweight uh, on the planet today, is that he he learns from every fight you know so so he picks something up from every fight and he has been doing this since he's uh you know been pro i mean obviously he's, he was doing it as an amateur too but you know we're, we're talking specifically his pro career and he has gotten better and better and better and when we've seen you know a a a, a kink in his armor so to speak um he's come back and and improved it now you know we 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 came back after this fight and we saw a couple of things in Anthony Joshua. One, seemingly, was his conditioning, uh, where he ran out of gas, like we talked about. That's something that he's got to work on. Um, you know, holding and clinching when he is in trouble or when he does need a breather is something he's got to work on. I can see Anthony Joshua moving forward and working on some of these improvements. As far as Vladimir Klitschko, you know, this is a guy that's been around for, and, and was at the top of the heavyweight division for a decade. You know, you're not teaching this guy anything new. I think his, uh, you know, approach is going to be a, a formulated game plan that's going to try to use, um, you know, Anthony Joshua's advantages as a disadvantage. In other words, knowing that he's going to be coming forward, maybe working on counterpunching a little better, uh, maybe letting his hand go, that right hand, let it go a little more. He's He dropped uh, Anthony Joshua in the first fight. Uh, he did get him in some trouble a couple of times. You know, maybe be more aggressive. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking, and, and trust me, we'll have a lot of time to, to talk about this fight between now and the projected date of the end of no, uh, October or beginning of November. Um, but I, I really think that, although it could go either way, I, I really think that uh, Vladimir Klitschko is going to fight a little more cautiously. I, I would like to see him fight aggressively, but I think cautious uh, is going to be the, the MO. What, what do you think? I don't know. And uh, if I was Vladimir Klitschko, I probably would not be thinking about fighting cautiously. I'd want to go out there and beat him to the punch, uh, uh, get my jab established right from the get-go. I'd dictate the pace of this fight. Because, like I said, Anthony Joshua, it was, a, it was a decent fight going up. But when he just put in his mind on that fifth round, he's gonna. I mean, he literally just it looked like he put the charging rhino uh button into his arsenal and he just literally went after vlad vlad's got to be careful he's got to be waiting for that because i think anthony joshua is gonna do something like that to try and 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 uh establish his presence and his uh, dominance early 
by that, that same kind of maneuver. So with that, Vlad's going to be looking to move, counterpunch, establish that jab, get the range of distance, and yes, let that right hand go. There were many times in that fight where Joshua was a little wild with his shots, and his head was one place, his hands were another, and bam, he could have came over with overhand right, and and uh, it could have connected. I thought about it, I saw it, and, and when he saw it and realized it, it was too late, and already Joshua was in another position. He's got to work on that. He's got to look at those films, and he's got to be able to capitalize on what was uh, what was there for him to take. But, he, he, you know, we'll see what happens. Hey, I think he's going to fight a smart fight, Vlad. I think he will. I, I got another question for you, but it's going to have to wait till after the break. All right? I but, knew uh, it. I knew, it. I knew that break was coming up. Well, I'm, I knew glad, it. I'm glad you're starting to finally get <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're finally starting to get with the program, knowing the time, knowing that we have obligations, and uh, knowing the rules, Sal. I'm glad because, you know, you're a rebel when it comes to that. But uh, we are going to take a break. I got another question for Sal as soon as we come back. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching. The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, speaking of being with us, uh, with me right now is uh, Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. And Sal, you know, although um, you've never been uh, knocked out in a fight, I, I know, uh, uh, you know, you, you've had a loss on your record, but you've never been knocked out. Um, but what's it? I'm sure you have an opinion on this, but when a fighter gets stopped, and then he comes back and he fights the same person, the same fighter again. Does anything change in the mindset? Like, in other words, you know, um, Vladimir Klitschko had been stopped previously in his career. And he kind of changed his style around, thanks to Manny Stewart. And, you know, he became a pretty, a pretty decent defensive fighter. And over the years, you know, everybody still said that he had a suspect chin, suspect chin. And I think he proved in the Joshua fight that his chin was pretty solid. I mean, anybody getting hit from a guy six foot seven, uh, you know, 250 pounds, uh, you know, very few people are going to stay standing. Is his mindset going to be different? Is he going to be able to go into this fight uh, going, you know, balls to the wall, uh, trying to stop uh, Anthony Joshua? Or is he going to be more conscious of uh, Anthony Joshua's power and maybe go, like I said in the beginning when we first started talking about this, maybe go uh, as a safety first type of a game plan. What's your thoughts? No, because he's going to be afraid to lose. He's going to be afraid to win. And I'm telling you right now, and I did get stopped one time. My last fight uh, before I retired uh, against Louis Lamelli. He was ranked number one in the that world. That was a TKO, and, right? Uh, we, they waved it off because you couldn't continue. You weren't knocked waved out. it off because I couldn't continue. Right. Yes, I had a ripped hamstring. That's a whole other story we can go into one day about that fight and how it evolved and how it uh, transpired and what happened. But my friend Randy Newman, who was the judge of that, uh, who was the referee of that fight, saw that I was in trouble. And I was down. I was down. And my my uh, I, I was probably as out as you can get uh 
but he did he did stop the fight. Randy uh, Newman, wait a minute, isn't he the one that wrote the the song about short people? Yeah, short people. Yeah, <laughs> he wrote about me. <laughs> short people you got, got no, no reason, reason to <laughs> live. <laughs> Sorry, no, okay. but anyway, but is anyway, that a different but mindset. Let me tell you something. Yeah, I was full of piss and vinegar after that fight when I said I I wanted I wanted to get Lou Lamelli back in that ring so bad because I knew I was at my best. And even though he had devastating power, I mean this guy had like a record of twenty three wins, no defeats with twenty two knockouts. And he caught me with some good shots. But the bottom line is I wish I could have had a rematch with that fight. I know he went on to fight Pernell Whitaker, but the bottom line is I felt in my heart of hearts a different style of fight. I had a ripped hamstring when I fought that fight. That's a whole other story we'll go into one other day. And I couldn't, I was a lame duck. If I was healthy and everything else, I would have had a whole other fight plan. And yes, I would have welcomed an opportunity to fight him again. And in fact, I think we can make that comeback. I think we can hey, do that fight. Hey, so, 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 uh, Sal, uh, so, politician Senecola, uh, yes. answer the question I asked you. The question you. is this. No, I don't think Klitschko's going to take a safety first approach. I really don't. Because you know what? This is either going to be one of two things. He knows he's going to go out there. It may be his last fight if he loses, and it's going to be a cash-out fight on that level. So he's going to let it all out, let it all hang out, and he's going to go in there and try and win and see what he did positive in that fight, and that's establishing some dominance and coming in and catching him. He caught Anthony Joshua with some shots. Now he's got to perfect that and use that right hand a little bit, maybe use a right lead once in a while, follow with a left hook, and he's got to throw punches and bunches move his head a little bit, keep those hands up, and I think he's going to fight a more aggressive fight to go out. I don't think he's going to want this fight to go past six, seven rounds, and I think he's going to try and go out there and be dominant early and not afraid to, to exchange with Anthony Joshua. So you're going to see somebody get hurt early in the fight before the third round, I promise you. Yeah, no, that, that's that's good. You know, interesting uh, analogy my, my, about, my, about the observation. Well, uh, interesting uh, analogy about the cash out because – the whole reason that Klitschko, and I honestly believe this, I, I know he made a lot of money in the first fight, but I honestly believe a lot of the reasons why he had the first fight was his strong desire to regain the titles. It means, you know, we're critical of, of the titles and how easy they are and, and how many there are today and stuff, and, and rightfully so. However, there are some fighters that the titles mean a lot to, and, and I believe that Vladimir Klitschko is one of those guys. And I think that I the only reason he came back was to regain the title. And then, of course, the winner of this fight would have an opportunity to, to collect the final title, uh, the final meaningful title, which is Deontay Wilder's WBC title, a title that Vladimir Klitschko has never held. His brother has, uh, or, you know, at least, uh, you know, at the end here. So to suggest that it's a cash-out fight, uh, if he loses, Vlad. yeah, no, no. If he loses, it, I mean, there's the there's the uh, the the good side of a downside, you know, that he, he right. you know he gets a big chunk of cash. But um, I really think that you know he believes he can win the fight. I think it's yes. going to boil down to uh, uh, what type what type of uh, game plan he goes into this fight with. Uh, it was just as a side note, the one of the stumbling blocks for this fight was the uh, IBF. Now, if you recall, the IBF was the first title that um, Anthony Joshua won. And, you know, the IBF was, uh, you know, getting uh, kind of ticked off that he didn't fight their mandatory. Now, his mandatory is Kubat Pulov for the IBF. Kubat Pulov has earned uh, the mandatory title shot. So the IBF has agreed to let Anthony Joshua fight Vladimir Klitschko 
uh, for the rematch without jeopardizing being stripped, which I think is a smart move because smart I move. think that if the IBF stripped Anthony Joshua, I think that they would have just lost some credibility like the WBO did uh, when they stripped um, uh, Klitschko beforehand and opened up that title. And now uh, Joseph Parker has it, you know, so really uh, the heavyweight title as much as we could try, needs to be a, a unified title. At least we got two main players right now, in my opinion, with, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua. And then, of course, Deontay Wilder, who really hasn't fought anybody yet. But uh, uh, anyway, hey, let's get – we're going to talk a little more about that a little later. But, Sal, I got some uh, uh, baseball scores and an email that I want to try and get out of the way before we get Larry Hazard on. Uh, in baseball, the Red Sox top the Yankees 5-4. to four. The uh -huh. Orioles beat the Pirates 65 in 10 innings. The Angels beat the Tigers 5-3. to three. The Reds over the Cardinals 13-1. White Sox over the uh, Rays 4-2. The Phillies beat the Braves 3-1. Brewers over the Giants 5-2. The Rangers in an interleague matchup beat up the Mets. Well, didn't beat them up. It was a slugfest, but still, the Mets lose again. What a bunch of losers. I, I feel terrible that I'm even a Mets fan, but the Rangers topped the Mets 10-8. Cubbies uh, beat the Marlins 10-2. The Royals over the Astros 9-7. The Rockies beat the Indians 11-3. Diamondbacks over the Blue Jays 10-1. Uh, Mariners beat the Twins 12-2. And the Nationals, I think the Nationals might be the best team in baseball. They beat the Dodgers 2-1. Uh, uh, we got an email, Sal. This one's from my man Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C. And Sal, I just read that Louis Neary has reached a deal to face Yamanaka in Japan. This should be an excellent fight. How do you see this fight so far? Um, you know, Yamanaka in Japan is going to be a tough out. No disrespect to Louis Neary, but I like the fight. I agree with uh, uh, Jesse on this one. He says, uh, the IBF has ordered an elimination fight between Carlos Ocampo and Panamarev, uh, and the winner gets to face Spence. I don't think these guys are ready, but we'll give Spence some problems. How do you see this so far? You know, these elimination fights, Sal, you know, they're part of the problem because I agree with Jesse here. I don't think, and, and again, no disrespect to Ocampo or Pramanonov, Pramanonov, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is neither one of them are on the uh, Errol Spence level at this point, and Errol Spence has kind of arrived. You know, we don't want to have yeah. to see him being held hostage by a sanctioning body, forcing him to fight fights that he's going to be criticized against. Uh, when we want to see him fight major fights against the major other players uh, in the division. What's your thoughts? I think you're 100% right. I like what you said, and I like how you uh, explained it, because uh, you are correct. And, you know, there's no turning back now for Errol Spence. I mean, he has arrived, as you said. And I think we're going to see more and more challenging of himself against these other opponents that are on his level or, or even greater. But I think he'll rise to the occasion. This kid's got something special. He's got a heart of a passion and passion to win. And uh, he'll figure out how to do it when he's in the ring. And that's what a good fighter does. They figure out their opponent, and they, they use their, their strength and their assets to overcome their adversity that uh, they're presented with at the time. And I think Errol Spence has that character and that kind of uh, uh, arsenal in his bag of tricks there. Uh, Jesse says, uh, uh, hey, Billy C., are you interested in Cecilia Bracus against uh, Erica uh, Ferraris? He says, uh, both beautiful women. I, I will admit, 
I, I love. I might be interested in that. <laughs> I love beautiful women. There's no question <laughs> about <too>. that. <laughs> and if there's any beautiful women out there that are looking for an aging, uh, overweight, balding Italian guy, give me a call because I'm available. But, uh, uh, you know, I got to be honest. As much as I was involved with female boxing for a long time, I, I had a multi-division world champion, and we, we accomplished a lot together, uh, Chevelle Hallback. Um, I, I've been turned off uh, by women's boxing. I, I, you know, what I loved about it during uh, Chevy's uh, run was that, you know, the female fighters seem to fight all the best fights, you know. Uh, they're starting to do what the men do now, you know, duck and pick and choose. And uh, Brackus is one of them. So, uh, no, I'm not too interested in, uh, in that. But, uh, Sal, we're going to uh, take a break and uh, get Larry on the phone. But I want to tell you a funny thing uh, that happened the other day um i was uh i was invited to a a, a party you know and, and and you know it was it was kind of you know warm out and uh, they had the pool open and stuff and i don't know i had a couple of scotches in me or whatever and uh i i don't know i i i the, the devil made me do it sal i just i, I, I thought I, I thought it would be kind of kind of funny um if uh I don't know. I, I kind of relieved myself. Would you push in a pool? No, I, 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 I thought it would be kind of funny, and even though it sounds childish, uh, to relieve myself in the pool just as a joke, you know? So uh, I was what? Get, I was getting ready to take a leak in the pool. What? And then the lifeguard yelled at me so loud I almost fell in, Sal. I, I was like, what's going on? You know? But uh, no, it's obviously... <laughs> I've just a I little joke, uh, but uh, somebody told me that the other day. I thought it was funny as hell. That's but uh, hey, Sal, you got a chance to uh, refill those uh, little shot glasses of coffee uh, that you uh, drink. One mug to another. Yeah, there's yeah. one mug drink. to another right just... there. And uh, we're going to uh, you know look forward to getting you back on. We're going to uh, be doing uh, uh, Larry Hazard will be joining us here in a couple minutes. Then we got our blast from the past, Rocky Graziano with Alex Papali. And uh, just to give the uh, uh, listeners and viewers a heads up, a programming note, we are uh, not doing a live show Friday all, or all of next week because I will be with Sal in St. Simons working on our project that uh, we will be announcing. We will be announcing uh, uh, after we get back. It's uh, some really good stuff that we're working on. Uh, so we're excited about that. So if you are in the uh, St. Simons area, make sure you swing uh, down. And one other thing, tomorrow we will talk about the Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev fight because we won't have a chance to give you our final thoughts and predictions before the fight next week. We will be doing a post-fight show uh, live as soon as the fight is over on uh, Saturday, next Saturday. Uh, but uh, we will give you our thoughts. So uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, for that stuff. And Sal, we will uh, look forward to you uh, in a couple of minutes. And uh, until then, we'll see you later, my man. We'll see you later. And I just want to let you know, you have a lot of people that are excited that you're coming down here. So uh, I can't wait to, to have that union at the bar. Well, that sounds good. Get You better get a couple of more bottles of the blue. You know what I mean? Oh, will. But, uh, <laughs> it sounds like, oh, oh, I got to go. I got to go. But uh, Bye. Sal, Bye. I'll talk to you later, my man. That's uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. We'll catch him uh, uh, in a bit. I'm going to take a short break, and uh, we will be back uh, in uh, about two. Billy C will be right back. 
Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could join us. And uh, speaking of joining us, joining me right now, is my man. He's a Boxing Hall of Famer and the New Jersey Boxing Commissioner and newly elected uh, Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Famer, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Hey, good morning, Billy. Hey, hey Billy, did you just call me on the other phone? Yeah, I did. Uh, we, we tried twice, and it, it picked up and then disconnected. Uh, you know, I thought you were a telemarketer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to sell the fans a bill of good on on the sport of boxing. No, no, I always use that I, I use that secret bat line as the uh, as our primary now because it's such a good connection. But no big deal. Um, I wanted to uh, I got a bunch of stuff to talk to you about. First and foremost, I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, uh, I guess we'll call it a fight. Uh, Adonis Stevenson against uh, Andres von Farah. Um, you know. The the fight, there's nothing to talk about with the fight except for a couple of things. Number one, Stevenson claiming that he's the greatest light heavyweight of all time uh, after that fight, parading around with a cape and a crown. He's the king. He's this, you know, this guy uh, is delusional. I, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind or anybody in the nose mind that Al Heyman. Uh, who's his advisor, manager, whatever, also knows that this guy uh, is nothing special. They've been, you know, ducking all the, the bigger names. Uh, he's uh, given Alvarez more uh, step-aside money than Alvarez has made in the ring. What do you make of Stevenson and his claims? Uh, is, is this guy just trying to set up a big fight, or, or is he delusional? Well, he could be a little, he could be a little bit of both. And it's quite obvious that age notwithstanding, he obviously doesn't go to the computer or do any research looking at YouTube or any of those um, mechanisms. All he needs to do is go back and look at some of the uh, light heavyweights of the 1980s and 90s 
I won't even go any further back. Greatest light heavyweight of all times, shame on you. Shame on him or anyone else who would think that he could even be mentioned in the same conversation with uh, Bob Foster or Archie Moore or even coming closer to our uh, time uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad, Michael Spinks, Yaki Lopez, uh, uh, Marvin Johnson. Come on. The list goes on and on and on. He would be a second tier, probably a second tier light heavyweight among those fighters. Matter of fact, last Sunday, um, I was uh, inducted into the uh, New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame along with two. Of, of of the best light heavyweights of their era, uh, Mike Rothman and Michael Spinks. Okay, Rothman being a little bit uh, lesser, I think, of the two, uh, would have taken a guy like uh, Stevens apart. I mean, it would have been like a sparring session, you know, with, with him being a sparring partner. So I think that he's probably leaning more towards trying to build a big payday and, you know, the, this this move towards self-aggrandizement certainly uh, doesn't hold water, you know, with anyone who knows. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, I, I tell you what, Larry, you don't even have to go past today's uh, crop of light heavyweights because the guys who are fighting next week, Kovalev and, and Ward, both of them will beat uh, Stevenson, you know. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's sad. I You know, and, and we're always... We're always worried about, you know, the credibility of the sport of boxing, especially today when, when we have fighters that are avoiding other fighters and choosing the easiest paths to, to making money and all these things. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're being cheated in a sense, the fans and the sport of, of the big fights. And, you know, you got a guy like this making these these outrageous uh, uh, comments. And it's just, you know, it... it you know, I don't know if they if they think that they're they're getting more followers to 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 watch him either lose or or believe his his propaganda, or it, it, the way I think is that they're pushing more fans away. More fans are saying, "What's this guy talking about? This is like fake. This is like WWE type stuff." You know what I mean? Well, well, I guess there there, there is a, a certain percentage of the population who who buys into this nonsense because, you know, it continues to uh, to progress. So there has to be some level of success in this commercialization of their, of their skills uh, among a certain population, or it would stop. You see it um, with your uh, Stevenson, um, Stevens, uh, you know, here's this Adrian Broner, here's another one who I think kind of tries to market himself with hype. Um, uh, so, so obviously it's, it has its selling qualities or you, you, you would hear less of it instead of hearing more. You know, a guy goes in, I don't know where Fonfara was. He claims he didn't know what was going on, so he should have never even been in there because he certainly looked as if he didn't belong in the ring even with, uh, you know, a mediocre light heavyweight. Uh, so, you know, it's those types of performances, those types of opponents that, that sort of motivates these guys 
to get up on that soapbox after you know after they win against someone who was as lackluster as Fon Farah was last week. Well, speaking of Fon Farah, and I was telling my listeners earlier in the week that I was going to basically throw this at you, even though I, I know you're not going to be happy with the question, but I'm, I, I got to do what I got to do, you know. But the truth of the matter is, is I, I'm going to be just point blank, Larry. I think Virgil Hunter is one of the most overrated trainers in, in the sport of boxing. I, you know, this is a guy that's acting like he's a Zen master and all of this stuff. And when he was put on the spot, first of all, he was brought in to help fund Farah with his defense, right? And I, I didn't see any de- I, the word defense did not appear in the in the round in a couple of minute, a couple of seconds of the second round in, during that fight. I saw nothing resembling defense. As a matter of fact. I thought he had better defense when when he used offense as his defensive mode uh, previously. The second thing was the fact that, you know, I was criticized for uh, being critical of Virgil Hunter, you know, when people were saying, well, he was saving his fighter when he stopped the fight. Well, if he was saving his fighter, and and we've never heard, and and even with Ward, he's great with Ward because you know how some trainers and and fighters are, are natural fit and they work well together but without each other they're nothing and and I always use Kevin Rooney and Mike Tyson as an example you know they were great together and separately they 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 weren't you know and and this could be the case with Hunter and and Andre Ward obviously they've never lost together they they're successful etc cetera, etc cetera. but show me another fighter that Virgil Hunter has helped you know he almost got Amir Khan killed it looks like Fun Farah you know was pretty much uh, uh, destroyed when asked what the deal was, he says, I told my fighter not to throw a punch in the second round. And he tried to defend that instruction by saying, well, his legs weren't under him. He was still hurt. I wanted him to try to get his legs up. Listen, if you're looking out for the safety of your fighter, I mean, isn't it smart to know that your fighter is still in trouble. The guy tells us he doesn't remember anything after the knockdown in the first round that he survived another minute and a half. I mean, if you're truly looking to protect your fighter, you don't let him go out for the second round. You don't tell him not to throw a punch. That's just like, you know, putting your hands behind your back and letting somebody shoot at you. What's your thoughts? Well, I, you know, if that's what he said, you know, I don't think that that was good advice. You can't. You can't send a fighter out and tell him, don't throw a punch. I mean, then you may as well end the fight. That's what fighting, fighting is about, throwing punches and being aggressive. But I think what happens, and, um, you know, um, not to be overly critical of Virgil, it's still up to the fight. And I think that this is where sometimes uh, trainers allow themselves to uh, get put on the spot because this this whole thing about great trainers and you know uh, you, you know you you hear a lot of that and I think a lot of that became popular of course with with uh, starting with Mike certainly you get you get a fighter and in some instances you get that perfect marriage that perfect fit um, and I think it's because it, it happens often when there's a trainer who has the term I use, he raised the fighter. You know, they started from nothing, and they came together. So uh, there's a chemistry there where 
uh, a lot of it is psychological on the part of the fighter also, where it's not so much that the trainer is that great, but it's that the fighter maximizes his skills because he doesn't want to disappoint that person that's in the corner with him. And that person that's there, they're such a great fit that he gives that fighter another level of confidence. It's almost like when you're in a street fight and your big brother is there as opposed to him not being there. Now you're going to fight harder because you don't want to disappoint him and because he gives you another level of confidence. And I think that that's more of what happens in these instances where these guys get the labels of great fighters. In very few instances are these so-called great trainers still in the corner with the guy that they raised. Manuel Stewart was, was different because him and Tommy Hearns came all the way from the beginning. Then you have other guys like Angelo Dundee and Eddie Futch who were master. They were masterful trainers. I mean, they proved it over and over and over by taking the, their charges to another level. But then you have the other um, guys who were so-called great trainers uh, where good fighters, good athletes were brought to them. They didn't bring these guys from the beginning. These fighters were brought to them because they were supposedly or they are supposedly the great trainers. And oftentimes, um, you know, the fighter loses a, a, a fight that he should win or, he, you know, he shows a lack of preparation and then all of that falls back on that so-called trainer. And I think a lot of that could be happening to, to Virgil uh, Hunter in that, certainly in this case with Von Farah, okay, he came in, they brought him in, he was supposed to be able to remediate this guy, teach him certain things that um, obviously uh, didn't come to pass. And so now he has to bear the brunt of that because the fighter certainly appeared not to be prepared enough to be in the ring with uh, uh, Adonis Stevens. So so that's the way I look at that. Uh, you know, the bottom line is I want to hear instruction. I don't want to – you know, I got an email the other day from a, yeah. uh, one of my guys uh, who's not only a, a regular listener but – uh, you know, he contributes uh, to the show, my man Coach from uh, StrictlyBusinessBoxing.com. And, you know, he, 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 was, uh, he sent me an article about some comments Sugar Ray Leonard made about the terrorists and all of this. And he was upset and frustrated about how, you know, uh, basically weak we're all becoming, you know, as, as a society. And, and you know, I, I, I replied to him and I said, you know, everybody overdoes it. We overanalyze things today, Larry, you know. Uh, uh, in baseball, managers overmanage. You know, uh, you know they they look at a spray chart. Oh, you know, Larry has it hits to the right, so everybody move to the right. You know, and and you know, and a lot of times it it, it yeah. works. You know, and I think the same is said about boxing. You know, they overanalyze things and they and they make it more difficult than what it, it is. You know, if we go back to basics, uh, I I don't think we have some of these problems. You know, uh, the the most successful fighters are fighters that do things automatically the fighters that have to stop and think 
about, oh, I, I got to keep my hand up here. Oh, I got to watch out for this. Oh, I got to do that. When they're overthinking during a fight, they're susceptible to being hit and to lose. And, and I, I think that, you know, we're just, there's too much data available to us. And, and we as human beings can't, you know, process the data quick enough. We need our natural reflexes to take over, especially uh, in this sport. So guys that are trying to be, you know, mental Zen masters like Virgil does, it doesn't work with all fighters. You need the right guy to, to understand what you're saying. And I think that that's really what, what took place with, uh, with Von Farah. Um, moving uh, well, to... Well, go ahead. Well, well Billy, Billy, allow me, because you make, you make a very cogent... You make some very good points, and, and I agree with you 100% on, one thing that, on, on, on everything that you said, but one thing specifically, you know, it comes down to instruction. Okay, and I, I should have even included that in my um, brief summary, or you know, prior. It comes down to instruction. The great or the good trainers are people who can adapt to the situation at hand and and give a strategic formula for winning. That's instruction. And as far and like you say, all of this information. It has to go back to the basics. All of the great trainers from the past, drill, drill, drill in the gym. A fighter doesn't even have to think about what he's going to do. He reacts automatically as a result of drill, drill. Repetition is the mother of retention. And fighters go into the gym and the basic trainers, the old-style trainers that just drill them, day in, day out, on the basic rudiments, and then when fight time comes, that trainer knows how to map out a strategy as the fight progresses. Those are your great trainers, and they are few and far between today. It's, it, it, listen, the best trainers, you know, I, I always laugh. You know, today I make fun of a lot of trainers because they're rah-rah men. You know, hey, you got to do this, you know. Um, the best trainers only say one or two things in between rounds, and they'll say it over and yeah. over. You know, uh, you got to use your jab. You know, da 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 da. Yeah. You got to use your jab. You know, uh, da, 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 da. you got to use your jab. You know, they 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 hit home one or two things, because let's yeah. face it, when you're in the corner, and I'm not a trainer, I I never claim to be, but when you're in the corner. And, and you're a trainer, and you're telling your fighter, you got to watch out for his overhand right. Oh, and, and by the way, the body is open, and keep your jab out, and, and make sure you move to the right, and do that. When the bell sounds, you think that fighter remembers anything of what he just said? You know, no. I, I mean, all no. he's going is, did I get a drink of water? You know, I mean, I, you know, and, no. and these fighters, again, it's, it's what I'm saying, Larry. You know, we overdo it today in every aspect, not just boxing, not just boxing, in life, we overdo it. You know, yeah. everything we do, is so overanalyzed that we're we're becoming stupid. You know, I was seeing this thing uh, the other day, and and they were comparing uh, how we watch and and how much time has changed. You know, you go back uh, to you know, I think 1985. I think the 80s are still here. You know, it was 30 years ago. And uh, you know, they're saying, well, you know, when you used to go to a, a place, you go to Blockbuster Video, you pick up a movie. 
You interact with the person. Oh, you saw that movie, that horror flick? Oh, well, here, they try this one. This one's good. You have that interaction. Today, no interaction. Nobody wants to interact. We don't even use phones anymore to talk because we'd rather text because you don't want to have to talk to somebody. You order stuff on the phone uh, so you don't have to. You have it right. delivered so you don't have to go into the store. You know, the interaction is gone, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, yeah. it's starting to to trickle down to everything in sports and everything. You know, kids used to be able to go up to a baseball player and get their autograph. Now, forget about it. You know, I, you know they'll, they'll send their PR person and, and hand you out pre-signed pictures or something. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's sad. You know, I wanted to ask you some other things. We're running out of time, but um, uh, a couple of uh, important things. What was your thoughts, and, and this is up your, your alley uh, as a commissioner, this whole Leon Lawson Jr. situation uh, that took place, uh, I feel personally the Maryland State Athletic Commission did not uh, act promptly. Uh, they, they waited too long. Uh, now the Maryland State with the, with the uh, official charges, uh, you know, this guy finally turned himself in and they reduced the charge, Larry. Originally it was uh, uh, a uh, assault charge, which was a felony. They, he turns himself in after being on the lam for how many weeks, which was a joke in itself. But he they turns himself in and they reduce it to a misdemeanor, uh, assault and battery in a second degree. Um, you know, I, to me, this is not setting an example, you know, and I, I think it's sad. And the reason that they gave Larry was that they didn't have sufficient evidence. I'm saying to myself, they didn't have sufficient evidence. We have Showtime video in high definition. How much more evidence do you need than watching what took place? What's your thoughts? That's laughable. It's laughable. It is laughable. And if he's licensed, you know, his license should have been revoked immediately. You know, um, that's from the commission uh, standpoint. And I, I think at some point, I really do think at some point, that the fighters are going to have to be held responsible for the people in their corners. Yes. I mean, adults adults are held responsible for the acts of their children. You know, and, um, you know, to, even though these are not children, we have to find a way to curtail some of these things that happen. Not that they happen all the time. I think that the uh, commission has commissions around the country now have to look at that and make sure that they are more vigilant with their personnel in keeping these. It's always these people who are not fighters. It's the, the people around yep. that often cause the problems. Yep. So I think at some point the fighters are going to have to be held uh, a little bit more responsible, and then they will take a greater level of, of responsibility than who's around them. Um, and, and I think that in that way we will begin to curtail some of that stuff. You know, if if the incident happened, and I was saying this yesterday, if the incident happened, you know, like an emotional situation, in other words, uh, you know, and, and I still believe that the, that the disqualification was controversial to begin with, you know, the, the hit after the bell was controversial to begin with, but putting that aside, if it happened right then, and I'm not saying it would have been right, but if, if the guy reacted emotionally right then and went over and, and laid one on uh, the kid, I, he's still wrong, but 
he had an op uh, he had an opportunity to say, well, I, my emotions got the better of me. I ran, but this was several minutes, five six minutes after it happened. Then he, he nonchalantly we we see it all on film. He goes over there. And he sets up the sucker punch, you know? So, I mean, it's like premeditated, you know? And, and, and how they yeah, reduce that. I mean, to, to reduce that yeah. is, is, is really sad. And, and I think that uh, not only the commission, but the state of Maryland itself is, is looking pretty silly here. Yeah, and, and, and you again, you make a, another very good point because isn't that the reason why uh, even uh, uh, with, with more serious laws, Premeditation, I think, kind of garners uh, a higher level of uh, punishment than something that's acted right then and there out of emotion, you know. And so you that's a very good example that you give. This was clearly premeditated. Not only that, so much to the point where the fighter seemed to be totally off, uh, off guard. Everyone in the corner was off guard. The guy walked over very calmly as if he's going to congratulate the, the fighter winner, and he hauls off and cold cops him. I know. You know, he already planned that ahead of time. Exactly. So I think that that should definitely be met with a more severe punishment than what he or that what than what they uh they gave us. And 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 not only that, Larry, but the commission's responsibility is to protect. The fighters too. The fighters, the corner. I mean, uh, you know. So in a sense, they're 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 failing the guy who got hit. You know, they're 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 you know working with the other side, and they're failing the guy who got hit. And and, and I think it's 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 a dual problem. It's it's the commission and the state. I, I you know I think they're both looking uh, uh, pretty silly uh, here. One last thing, I, I, and we only got about a, a minute or so. Uh, Larry, one last thing. It was uh, pretty much announced, and it will officially be announced next week, that Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko will uh, fight the rematch. Klitschko is exercising the uh, rematch clause. Uh, most likely it will take – it has to take place uh, before December. The IBF agreed uh, to not force Anthony Joshua or strip him. Uh, they will let this fight take place. Um, most likely uh, the end of October, beginning of November is the projected date. What's your quick thoughts on the rematch? Well, as you you can recall, I was um, in favor of a rematch from the very beginning. You remember our show right after the play. Um, I, I, I really think that um, this fight deserves a rematch. Uh, I, I think I can safely say without... Uh, you know, uh, the position coming into it. I don't think that the result is going to be any different. Might even have a worse result. Um, I can see Joshua knocking Klitschko out um, early uh, in their next fight. Uh, I think that Klitschko has pretty much had his day, but I do think that that performance that he turned in against Joshua uh, is deserving of a rematch if that's what he wants. I think that a rematch, especially if he loses, which I think he will, um, should be uh, the, the clinker, the convincer, that it's time for him to move on. And he's an intelligent guy, you know, and I think that that's what he needs to make that final decision. That's what I think is happening here with him deciding that he wants the rematch is that he still, 
a little bit unsure whether he wants to hang him up or it could be that he might feel that he could win, okay? Uh, if he wins, then maybe they'll have a rubber match and that'll be it. But uh, I don't see any difference in the uh, results, but I think that he's very deserving of the rematch. I really do. Larry, I appreciate your thoughts. And, uh, hey, we're off next week. We're doing a special uh, um, program uh, that uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, when we get back. But I, I won't be doing any live shows next week. But we will be uh, back the following week, and we'll get to talk about the uh, uh, Kovalev Award rematch. So we'll look forward to you then. Okay, Billy. I look forward to it also. Yeah, and I will uh, be reaching out to you anyway and tell you what's going on. So. Okay, okay. All right, my man. Have a good one. You too. That's Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Famer, New Jersey Athletic Commissioner, uh, giving us his thoughts. Listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, the blast from the past, Rocky Graziano with Alex Papali in about two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And... Uh... We're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And, uh, well, it's that time again. Uh, it's time for the Blast from the Past. Now, the Blast from the Past is being brought to us by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, get yourself a copy right now. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout uh, computer game banner. And also, it's being brought to us in part by kofantasyboxing.com. Check it out. Visit the site, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Today's Blast from the Past features by request. And if you have a request, just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. I I think we have one more uh, request uh, in line, and then uh, we pick them. So if you got some, uh, email me, and we'll be glad to do it. This week's Blast from the Past, one of my favorite fighters, Rocky Graziano. And joining me right now to tell us all about The Rock is my man, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, C. How are you? Not too bad, my man. Not too bad. The Rock. Rocky is it really Graziano. chilly up there in uh, upstate New York? Because it's, it's uh, been quite chilly here in uh, southern Connecticut. Yeah, it has been uh, cold. Uh, we're supposed to get uh, uh, near 70 today. And it slowly rises. And by the time I am in route to uh, St. Simon's, we're supposed to hit 80 here. So I'm anticipating uh, hopefully uh, going to some nice weather. And I hope I don't bring cold weather to where I'm going because I've about had it with this weather, man. Yeah, that's true. Jack Frost might uh, follow you down there. Uh, it should. I, I'm sure Georgia must be nice and warm, though. I know. I'll be complaining. It's too hot. Yeah, I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's that. That's like all the real hot. The, the reptiles uh, are out there in Georgia. The alligators and the cotton moths. Hey, you would have you would have loved. That. I I know you like all reptiles. And the other day I was uh, uh, driving home, and you know I I happen to live uh, 
near a place where they have this special turtle. Uh, if you punch it up, I forget the name of it, uh, but uh, it's uh, primarily located in, in a specific bay on Lake George called Sandy Bay. And uh, every year they, they cross the road and lay their eggs and come back. And, you know, you got to be conscious of it. Uh, otherwise, you, you run them over because they're not uh, <clears throat> as fast uh, as a runner as I am. But because of the cold, now you correct me if I'm wrong, but turtles are like snakes, right? Like when it's a little cold, they're, they're not so uh, inclined to move, right? Right. They're uh, ectotherms or uh, cold-blooded. I mean, they're, they're the temperature of the, their surroundings. So there was this giant, you know, turtle uh, just taking his sweet-ass time crossing the road. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at them, and they're, and they're nasty. They, You know, they, they, uh, they're, they're pretty big, and they do, you know, they will snap your hand off, you know. And uh, I started panicking. You know, I'm like, oh, man, some, some idiot with a pickup truck is going to come flying by and kill this thing, you know. And, uh, you know, I basically had to coax the thing uh, across the road, you know. But uh, amazing. I love it. It had to be 50 years old. I I love those things, you know, that, uh, you know, not that I'm a big uh, reptile guy like you, but I love the fact that uh, they're still here, prehistoric uh, type stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because um, it was a couple years ago. I almost almost I think it was two years ago, the last time I was at the Hall of Fame uh, up there in upstate New York. Um, I, I almost killed myself trying to save a turtle who was crossing the highway. Uh, but he did. He he got like right over the white line uh, on the side for the breakdown lane, and a, a truck went right by his face. And he seemed to get the idea. Eh, I think I'm gonna turn around. Yeah. And he did turn around. <laughs> well, you know, we're uh, on the way. Like I'm going to St. Simon's, and they have these sea turtles, right? That uh, cross the road, and it's such a thing over there. Or maybe it's not a sea turtle. It's a type of turtle. Uh, Sal knows more than I do, but. It's such a, 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 a thing that they actually have because there's these uh, uh, bridges, you know, where, um, you know, you're going over the, the wetlands and what have you and uh, as you're going into the island. And they actually have these um, these spots with the turtles because there's like this uh, divider on this road where, you know, they're, they're separating the traffic going one way to the other. And there's these little like mini passageways so the turtles can get through oh, nice. to go to the other side which is pretty cool and there's signs all over watch out for the turtles you know and uh, that's what we need here because we do have uh, a run of it but uh hey we'll talk reptiles on well, another show yeah, something and you of course remember when you're going back to that uh, to that area of the country uh you remember the uh, the tear in my eye when i realized that gator heads uh, <laughs> at the uh, the Florida gas stations did not mean little styrofoam rah 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 to the University but a Florida, Florida gator. I tell that story all the time. Are you kidding me? Uh, you you made a very uh, big impact on my life about that. Uh, uh, you know, like, driving back. They're decapitated yeah. alligators. <laughs> You'll never. You know, it's so funny seeing you going. I'll never forget it. I'm getting gas. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go in. Oh, there's gator. Oh, gator heads. Oh, let me, I'm going to go in the bathroom. You come out and you're like, you know what they mean in there when they say gator heads, right? And I'm going, yeah. And you're going, I thought it was from, the, don't they have a team called the Florida Gators or something? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I kind of figured you were going to get a little upset, you know. But uh, anyway, tell us about Rocky Graziano. <laughs> yeah, this guy's great. And I mean, I tell you something, uh, excuse me, almost everything about him, uh, so much of the, his mannerisms, his, the way he talks, uh, the things he said, uh, 
He was a character, and he has been duplicated, and it's almost like it's become a cliche. Whenever you hear, uh, like on a sitcom or a TV show or uh, in a short story or something, very often uh, the stereotypical boxer is based very much on Rocky Graziano. He was a uh, D's and Do's and Dems kind of guy. He grew up a juvenile delinquent. Uh, his story, in a way, it's the um, the male version of the Cinderella story. Um, he was born Thomas Rocco Barbella, um, and actually, you know, there's I noticed this. I, one source I saw uh, says today's his birthday, June seventh, nineteen twenty-two. But the other sources say uh, January first, nineteen nineteen. So. I'm not sure, um, though there seems to be more repetition of the January, uh, the 1919 date, but even the Boxing Hall of Fame, uh, they say it was June 6th, 1922, so that's yesterday, so whatever. Uh, we know he was born, um, and he uh, was grew up in New York, New York, and I'm sorry, but um, they're uh, cutting the lawn here, so um, you might hear some uh, loud background noise in a second. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, um, was, he, he's got into a little bit of trouble. Loud noise. It sounds, it, it sounds and like. ended it, up, um, going out into a, a, reform school. His, his first arrest was at 12 where he was trying to crack open a, uh, some subway gumball machine. And I'm not sure if he was after the gum or the quarters, maybe both. Um, well, back, back then it might've been pennies, huh, Billy C.? I, I, you know, uh, they used to actually have penny candy that cost a penny. But you weren't kidding. It sounded like the I was gonna, I was waiting for a lawnmower guy to just come right behind you. You know, it sounded like, well, <laughs> like what, what is he cutting his carpet? I mean, what's going on in there? It seems like it seems like this happened last week too. At this exact time, they were outside the window. He's coming back for another round. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we will. I will say <laughs> this: why he, uh, why he uh, passes by, and I'll mute you for a second. But, um, you know, the uh, the bottom line is uh, Rocky Graziano. I, I said it yesterday. It was uh, a great, uh, great stuff with him. He says, I only I, I wasn't as bad as people thought. I only stole things that began with an A, a truck, a car, a, <laughs> you know, and uh, Bert Sugar uh, in Gosh. his. Yeah. And Bert Sugar said uh, in his uh, book, I know you uh, used a uh, greatest fighters of, of all time. He ranked uh, Rocky Graziano in his top 100 at number 98. And uh, uh, Bert Sugar said he was raised on New York's Lower East Side where both sides of the track were wrong. I thought that was pretty funny, too, you know. But uh, uh, so many things you could come up with with Rocky Graziano, all the lines he came up with. And, and that's even before he stepped foot in the ring. Oh, yeah, that's what's so great uh, about him. And, I mean, just some of the quotes about him in terms of in the ring. This, I thought, was a great one uh, from W.C. Hines, um, uh, who, of course, was a writer for years for, for the New York Sun. This is the way he said about, you could louse Rocky up if you wanted him to jab and move. So what you did was get him in shape and turn him loose. And that was the kind of fighter he was. He had a very atavistic style, wide swinging, incredible capacity for uh, uh, to take punishment, um, just consistent, overwhelming pressure. He hit really hard. 
in a way, I mean, I guess you could think he was sort of a Gotti-ish uh, way before Gotti. Gotti, of course, takes after him. He also was 20 pounds heavier than Gotti. And one thing that's much and very important is just like maybe a uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad, um, these guys were had those sort of uh, you know incredible brawler qualities that people grew to love recently in Arturo Gotti, but they were the best in the world. Gotti never reached that status. Um, Rocky Graziano, Matthew Saad Muhammad, they were undisputed champions. And uh, that, of course, is why, uh, you know, he, he's, he gets uh, major uh, credentials for that. Um, but you're right that uh, there was not a lot of science in his style. Um, but, yeah, and he did, he, he, he eventually went into movies, and people probably remember him for uh, commercials and even... Uh, one of the stories he liked to tell was that uh, movie, Hollywood producers would sit around thinking about a role and they would like, you know, you know what we should do is we should get a real uh, stupid guy, like kind of like a Rocky Graziano. And uh, one of the other guys at the meeting said, hey, why don't we get Rocky Graziano? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's what made he, he He was able to capitalize uh, basically on, you know, his own uh, personality and stuff. But as a fighter... Uh, you know, the, the, in my opinion, the, the greatest fighter of all time, the best ever, if you will, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, who uh, fought Graziano in, in the early 50s, 1952, to be exact, said that uh, no one, no one ever hit him. And he fought Jake LaMotta six times. No one ever hit him harder than Rocky Graziano. So obviously he had uh, uh, a, uh, a solid punch. Um, you know, we all know that he was uh, in some serious trouble as a kid. He joined the Army. He got in trouble in the Army, went AWOL, um, but uh, uh, ended up, uh, you know, getting into boxing, felt that uh, we fought a couple of amateur fights, felt that it was easy. You know, he won a watch. He hocked it for 15 bucks. He said, oh, this is an easy way to make 15 bucks. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't it wasn't all roses for him. I mean, he was uh, the subject of... Uh, some uh, some underhanded uh, stuff that went on in the sport at the time, and tell us all about that. Yeah, he was he was involved in a uh, in a fixed fight, and uh, he did uh, take a bribe, and uh, you know that kind of haunted him. That was one of the obstacles to making the Zale fight, uh, the first Zale, Zale fight. Um, but you know, and this is one of the things that, uh, and I think you see echoes of this in so many other fighters who get into trouble. Um, guys that uh, are fallible, guys that um, do the wrong thing, uh, but then they fall on their sword and they take responsibility for what they did. Uh, we, they, they become beloved uh, in our sport. Guys like Mike Tyson, Fernando Vargas, any guys like that, there's so many more uh, that might have had a little trouble history. Uh, they, they, and that was the case with Graziano. He did go before a... Uh, uh, um, a hearing and confessed to it and got a little weepy about it and everything um, but people did forgive him and um, you know he did it for the money obviously um, but uh, 50 grand yeah I mean he had a problem with authority I mean that was another reason why he was likable um, he had uh, when he went in the service and it was one of those situations where it was like you go to jail or you go to the service uh, he was kicked out rather, well, dishonorably discharged 
he socked an officer. And uh, then he just took off, uh, went AWOL. And um, that was part of why he um, was sort of got the name Rocky Graziano. He took the name of a sister's boyfriend because he had started boxing under his own name. Uh, and then he actually lost as an amateur to a guy named, uh, I think it was Antonio Hernandez. And then he, um, Ant Antonio Fernandez. And then he ended up having the incident with the, uh, with the army. And uh, he came back and took the name of the uh, sister's boyfriend, and that's what ended up sticking. Uh, but that one of the funny things was he eventually got in trouble because of that name because that guy had a longer rap sheet than he did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that. I remember. Actually, I was wrong. He got a hundred grand for the uh, for the uh, fixed fight, but. Um... Yeah, well, you know, the, you mentioned the Zale. Uh, those fights were, were outrageous fights. The ironic thing that always sticks out in my mind with those, Alex, was they both knocked each other out in the same round. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird about that. How, Yeah, in subsequent bouts, uh, the first one, Zale wins, and then the next one, Graziano gets revenge, same round. Uh, and, you know, that was one of the things that's so amazing about it is that it was stylistically a beautiful matchup um, in that Zale is, uh, you know, the, the one who has the real beautiful boxing ability, whereas Graziano is the um, just the crude brawler. They match up so well. That's the thing about our sport. That's To me, that's one of the reasons why I don't particularly haven't taken any kind of liking into MMA yet is that there's a poetry in motion uh, to the way boxing styles mesh uh, when that the MMA never has. It's always an ugly tangle, um, whereas boxing, there's something beautiful about it, especially when a boxer and a puncher meet. Um, and, you know, the fights with Zale were amazing. And again, remember, these are these are for the middleweight championship of the world. Uh, these are the two uh, top 160-pound badasses on earth. At the time, it was a really good division because, you know, the, another guy who was fighting uh, people right, might remember if they're familiar with the um, uh, Raging Bull movie, the Martin Scorsese movie, Tony Gennaro, who plays a part in that movie, uh, he's the handsome, uh, young, up-and-coming fighter that uh, LaMotta takes great pleasure in making ugly um, because his wife uh, showed a little bit interest in him. Um, well, Graziano had a, a three-fight series with Gennaro, um, another top middleweight of the age. Well, he fought a lot of big names in big fights. I mean, you know, some he came up uh, short on. The Harold Green fights. Uh, Harold Green, uh, I believe uh, Harold Green's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he also fought Al Bummy Davis. I, I, I love Bummy Davis' story. Freddie Cochran a couple of times, winning, knocking him out uh, both times. Of course, the Tony Zale uh, fights. Another fighter in the late 40s, uh, Charlie Fasari. Uh, he stopped him in 10. Charlie Fasari was a, another good fighter. But the thing that oh, I've always noticed about Rocky Graziano's career inside the ring as much as he was so entertaining outside of the ring, uh, was the fact that in his last, you know, couple of years of fighting, specifically from 1949 through his last two fights in 52, he fought some pretty big names um, in, in the sport. You know, uh, 
you know, Johnny Greco and Tony Gennaro, uh, like you were saying, Gennaro, um, you know, fought him a couple of times. Uh, Danny Williams was a, was a tough out. Uh, and then he finishes his career uh, with, uh, obviously, two of the great uh, fighters uh, in Sugar Ray Robinson losing in that fight uh, despite Robinson getting dropped. He turned around. And this is what I always loved about, uh, not that this is his day, but uh, Sugar Ray Robinson possessed everything we want in a fighter. Excitement, he had hand movement, he had hand speed, he had great defensive power, and punching power because not only did he get rocked by Rocky Graziano, he turns around and knocks out Graziano in three rounds uh, in 1952. And then his last fight against uh, a tough guy in Chuck Davey, uh, he decided to hang him up. And his, his career after boxing, Alex, was pretty successful. I think he made more money after boxing than he ever made in boxing. Yeah, and I think that in a way, if you think about it, he sort of um, became the model, <clears throat> excuse me, not only for uh, boxers, uh, for what they could hope to do after boxing, but a lot of other athletes too. That idea that an athlete uh, could have a, a persona that was marketable enough after their athletic days were over that they could capitalize on it and make a living off it uh, just from ads and uh, guest spots and stuff like that, uh, playing a character like what they were, um, an ex-jock. Uh, so I think in that sense, um, that was kind of cool, uh, certainly. Yeah, one of the, the little jokes uh, that I, I think I forgot to say was um, he quit, uh, he got, uh, he, he finished, he ended school because of pneumonia, uh, not because he had it, uh, because he couldn't spell it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he, he came up with some good ones. Uh, there's no question about that. It, uh, it added to uh, uh, the phenom uh, of Rocky Graziano. And, and you could see why he was such a fan favorite, because let's face it, um, you know, the fans loved Rocky Graziano, Alex. And the other thing is, is that the sport during that time is what really made it so great and and you know like in a lot of discussions that we have today it's what's lacking in today's uh, version of of boxing we don't have the rocky graziano characters anymore the jake lamadas the sugar ray robinsons we don't have them and not only that but because we are constantly trying to be so politically correct in our lives today we don't have the rivalries we don't have the stuff yeah yeah we we get we get crazy stuff like you know a, a trainer going over and assaulting a, a, a defenseless fighter at the time we get those kinds of things but we don't get the rivalries and and the interest level that they had in those days and the characters that they had with guys like rocky graziano and some of the names i mentioned and i think the sport suffers from it well i would i would i would agree with you that there's far fewer of them uh, and, and it's much rarer today. And I think the big difference, they're not American. I think the last one was Manny Pacquiao. Uh, Manny Pacquiao was a kid who was poor, uh, come from the wrong side of the tracks, rough little neighborhood, uh, you know, was very small, got bigger, and boxing saved him. He became a millionaire, and uh, now he uh, does movies, and he's in politics, uh, as Lennox Lewis would say. Um I uh, so I think it does happen. I think the the characters are um, uh, international uh, figures from uh, uh, from other countries. They're not from the U.S. anymore. Uh, but you're right. Uh, it is they're they're pretty rare. 
you know, one of the big fights that never happened was uh, Rocky Graziano against Jake LaMotta, uh, a fight that uh, would have helped both of them. It was really one of the only fights that didn't take place. But uh, at the end of his career, uh, he went, like you mentioned, uh, there was a movie uh, written about his, a book first about his life, and then a movie with uh, Paul Newman uh, starring as uh, him, Somebody Up There Likes Me. Uh, they also uh, uh, had another one, um, uh, somebody down there. Uh, well, actually, he became friends with Ronald Reagan, and they had a book on him. Somebody down there likes me too, uh, you know. So, I, but you know, I find that uh, this guy. He also appeared on on some television uh, series back in the day, and uh, I, you know, I remember him doing Midas commercials or Meineke, one of the two. I forget. I think it might have been Meineke, um, and I remember. Here and when he uh, suffered the stroke, it was on the uh, uh, front page of, of the Daily News in, in New York, and then uh, he passed away shortly after that. And, you know, the guy seemed bigger than life. He was on uh, a lot of shows. And, and you know, I, I love when, you know, athletes, especially boxers, become successful after uh, their, uh, their time in the ring. And, and you could certainly say Rocky Graziano enjoyed success uh, after his career. He absolutely did, and you're right. Uh, I think he made about, uh, t I have here, two or three million dollars in uh, fighting, and he did make uh, more in uh, his um, uh, movie career. You're right about that. Yeah, commercials and, and television, Car 54, Where Are You? He played a couple in. I think he uh, uh, played himself in, in some things, played some fighters in some other roles, and uh, was, was, was a good yeah. And I just brought up his IMDb page, and yeah, these uh, these are all uh, '60s TV shows, which a lot of our listeners now probably uh, do not have never heard of. But the Mod Squad, he yeah. was a guest on that show. He was a guest on uh, Car 54. Where are you? He was a guest on Miami Undercover, uh, and in a lot of the in a lot of the movie, a lot of the shows, it looks like he played a guy named. Rocky. <laughs> well, you know, like, you know, they didn't want to make it too difficult for him. But as far as his style, uh, real quick, I mean, he was a relentless fighter, uh, virtually no defense, uh, used his, used a face block that Andres Fonfaro was taught by Virgil Hill, Hunter. Uh, so, I, I mean, uh, uh, but he uh, had a devastating punch, was exciting to watch. And uh, sold a lot of tickets. Uh, that's for sure. And remember, one of the things from in the one of the little corner dramas that, of course, was is forever immortalized in um, in Rocky Rocky Balboa uh, is the Cut Me Mick Cut Me. That's sort of based on uh, Whitey Bimstein, uh, Graziano's amazing trainer, who in one of, I think it is one of the Zale fights. Take it, took a half dollar, a silver half dollar out of his pocket and used it to mash the swelling away from his eyes so he could see. And that was one of the, you know, the funny thing about that is they, the guy got the idea to develop the end swell from that. It sure seems you know, like it. I, I mean, you know, and, and that was created years after, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah, but, you know, that, you know, and they put, they made it cold and all, all that stuff. I know we're running out of time. I wanted to get your thoughts on some other stuff, but. Uh, how did Rocky do in the uh, title bout? He did very well uh, against um, Canelo Alvarez. I put him in against both our, our two-headed um, middleweight uh, champion right now. You have the uh, the man who is likely to be king on the September se uh, September seventeenth 
uh, and the guy who is until September 16th, at least right now, undisputed champion, uh, Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. First, I put him in against Canelo. Uh, the first fight, Graziano wins by TKO in round number 10, two minutes and 16 seconds of the 10th. Uh, he has Cinnamon down twice in that 10th round. When they fight 100 times, Graziano goes ahead at 65 wins, 23 losses, 12 draws. Graziano scored 34 big knockouts, and Canelo, in his 23 victories, was able to stop Graziano five times. Uh, against Triple G, uh, the first time they fight, Graziano wins a uni unanimous decision. Um, in a rough fight, uh, the scores were 117 to 108 twice and one score of 114 to 111. Uh, Triple G was dropped in the 6th, 11th, and 12th. When they fight 100 times, Graziano gets the best of him. 79 victories, 20 defeats, 1 draw, 63 big wins coming, by the way, a knockout. And in uh, his 20 victories, uh, Golovkin scored 12 KOs. Yeah, you know, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, but, uh, you know, with Triple G's ability to cut off the ring, um, yeah, 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 maybe it does surprise me a little bit. But, uh, Alex, great job. Yes, but they're all 12 rounders, too. So that's the thing that's. That's, you know, you got to remember uh, in this, uh, I don't know, as much as it does seem that the, the uh, old older age guys do better, uh, the guys from yesteryear, uh, they fought 15-rounders. All these other guys are 12-rounders, and I'm setting it for 12-rounders. So maybe that has an impact. Yeah, well, it could be. Real quick, I know we're over the time, and i got to take a break and, and get out of here, but, um, you know, we're talking a little about the uh, – uh, rematch that uh, pretty awesome. much is going to be announced. Are you pro or, or negative on it? I am absolutely pro uh, for the rematch. I'm very excited. Yes, I think uh, it's very likely Joshua will uh, do the same thing and do it quicker. Uh, I'm actually kind of hoping that's what he does. Um, and I think he's already answered so many questions about him, uh, himself as a champion. That's the next thing for him to answer. I also thought it was such a great fight. It deserves a rematch. And I think that uh, Vladimir, uh, it was one of the best fights of his entire career. So uh, by that token alone, and he was, you know, he was inches away from winning. So by that token alone, he certainly deserved a rematch. Yeah, I'm excited. Another great fight if it happens before the end of this year. I mean, uh, 2017 is going to be a hard year to top. No, it, it is. It has to happen before December 2nd. The, uh, oh, that's uh, thrilling. The, the end awesome. of October, beginning of November is uh, where it's penciled in. We should get an official uh, press uh, release on that sometime next week. Speaking of next week, we will be uh, on the road. I'll be in St. Simons, uh, so we won't be doing a live show. But we expect you to be here for our uh, – uh, rematch Andre Ward and Kovalev post fight show, which we'll be doing live. Awesome. I'm very excited for that fight. And uh, yeah, I will uh, definitely be uh, either calling in or Skyping in, whatever uh, whatever you'd like. Sounds good, my man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Billy C. Take care. Great job from uh, Alex Papali. As usual, with the blast from the past, I'm past my break time, so I'm probably going to get scolded for that. So uh, I will take a break. And when we come back, Sal Rocky Senecola joins us. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. 
Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking about being with us uh, again, uh, rushing to get uh, his headset on because he's... Uh, uh, you know, throwing down the coffee is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. As he's sipping the coffee, just like a dentist. Hey, you doing when he's got his hand halfway down your throat? But, uh, hey, like, we were what's going on that's what they do that's what they do you know it's like when you go and you're at a restaurant and and the waitress comes over and says uh just as you take a bite of that burger hey how's everything is it okay you know but uh anyway you know strategically i think dentists do that to get your mind off their being in your mouth you know how do they understand they they can they respond to you yeah so how you doing oh really you cut your lawn today oh you got a new car oh good you know but uh anyway sal I know you had some uh, 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 something to add about Rocky Graziano. We, uh, Alex and I got into it, and we started goofing around a little bit, and we didn't uh, um, get as deep as I would have liked, you know, time restraints. But uh, you had some Rocky Graziano stories, right? Let me tell you, I think that Rocky deserves a revisit from Alex uh, again, not too far in the future. I love Rocky Graziano. You know, he was probably one of the first uh, figures of boxing. Uh, brought to my light as a young kid, a young boy growing up and wanting to box. Uh, probably from the get-go, hearing my family talk about it in the parlor talk. You know, huh. we would hear talk about Rocky Graziano, all his great fights, and then I'd watch that movie. Somebody up there likes me with Paul Newman, and and you know, I've had opportunities as a young adult, uh, even as an amateur, meeting Rocky Graziano, and I think the first person that was. Uh, responsible for me to meet Rocky Graziano was Lou Duva and uh, when Lou had a big interest in my career and then uh, from then on I met Rocky several times at Gleason's gym uh, Rocky came to my first three or four fights at the Sands Casino and uh, uh, the one time he came into my dressing room after my fourth win my fourth fight and, and he talked to me because we knew each other by then. And he would say, Sal, you look good. You, you look like me when I was a kid. You, you, you look like this. You, you're going to be a champ one day. I feel it. Uh, but I got to ask you a question. I said, what's that, Rock? He says, you're the only Italian undefeated fighter I know that doesn't have a ring name. What's with that? I said, well, Rocky, I, this is my fourth pro fight. I said, Rocky, I really haven't thought about it. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, what, do you, what, do you think I should, what do you think I should use? He goes, I'll tell you what, uh, Sal, why don't you take my name? Use Rocky. You could have my permission. I want you to call yourself Rocky Senecola. Every time you fight, I want you to go in the ring as Rocky. It'll bring you good luck, and I promise you it'll never disappoint you. I said, Rocky, I'm honored. I mean, really? Uh, and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to use Rocky from now on. And sure enough, uh, that's where I started calling myself Sal Rocky Senecola. Didn't want to disrespect my father totally because I was a Salvatore trio. There was two others before me, my father and my grandfather. So uh, so that's how I got the Rocky out of Sal Rocky Senecola from Rocky Graziano himself. And then one of the my favorite afternoons with Rocky Graziano is when uh, I was 
close with Al Cerdo. Great guy, great guy. And and I was thinking about Al taking over my career. You know, it was after Richie Giacchetti, and Al was uh, allowing me to come to his gym in Bufano's, and I'd spar with Buddy McGirt and uh, have a great time. And so Al was also uh, involved. He took over uh, Mustafa Hamshow's career after, I think, uh, Customato passed and things like that. Somehow he got uh, Mustafa Hamshow. And Mustafa Hamshow opened up a Syrian restaurant in Brooklyn. And Mustafa Hamshow, before his fight with Hagler, had a press conference at his restaurant, a Syrian restaurant in Brooklyn. And I was an invited guest of Al Cerdo, along with one of the reporters from New Jersey. His name was Joe Chisari. He did a lot of writing for me and things. And who was the guest of honor at that uh, uh, press conference? Yes, was Al, was uh, Mustafa Hamshow. But along with that, we had a contingency of middleweight champions that I was I was in lunch with. We had a three-hour lunch, and it was phenomenal. We had Jake LaMotta. We had Joey Giardello. And we had Rocky Graziano. We're all at a round table eating Syrian food, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing that could have been better was if it was Italian food. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're sitting. And I'll never forget Al. You know, these guys, they were they were cutting it up. I mean, they were being themselves. And Rocky's telling a story. And Jake was like, yeah, but you got this and that. And Joey said, yeah, but what about this? And Rocky said, but I got this. And one would go, well, I had six wives. Yeah, I had five wives. I had this. What happened to this one? He died of eating a bad egg. And, you know, they were going on. Oh, mine drowned in a pool. They were going on and on and on, just having a crack up good old time. And all of a sudden, Al Cerro chimes in. He goes, you know, something between listening to three of you, I'm going to need a freaking interpreter. <laughs> it was funny and it was a great afternoon I'll tell you what and uh, the photographer and news guy there Joe Tissari had a good chance to take some good pictures of uh, Rocky and I and some of those guys and that's uh, that's the crew we were with and um, those pictures are hanging in my restaurant I will forever uh, love those middleweight champions but especially close to my heart will always be Rocky Graziano you know that it's, ex champion. it's exactly what I was saying to, to, to Alex a few minutes ago you know boxing had those types of characters and it helped the sport Sal you know it I did. mean uh, I mean from your perspective it was a little closer to your heart but the truth of the matter is is they were fan friendly and it got fans into being you know I've talked about this a lot I mean, we're lifelong boxing fans. A lot of people that watch or listen to this show happen to be lifelong boxing fans. But the young fans, and no disrespect to them, I feel that we are not, the, the, the sport itself today is not creating lifelong fans. Like, th there might be some fans that follow a specific fighter, but these fighters don't have the personalities to make them be diehard fans. They, once they start to falter a little bit, like for an example, Floyd Mayweather, you know, Floyd Mayweather has a lot of fans and they, and he's also got a guy, a lot of people that hate him and tune in and buy his fights and stuff because either they love him or hate him. When he's finally out of it, which, you know, hopefully he is now, uh, a lot of those fans are going to stop watching the sport. That was the guy they related to. And, you know, these types of characters created lifelong fans like you're born oh, into yeah. being a football fan or a, a baseball fan because of your parents well boxing used to be the same way it's not like that anymore 
No, and it's sad because, as you said, you know, the connectivity these champions had with their fan base and with people in general uh, was phenomenal. It was second to none, and that's why. Like I always said, Billy, you see fans, no matter if they follow Mayweather, uh, Wilder, uh, Roberto Duran, this and that, there's a connective, uh, connectivity there that fans have. They can identify. That's why they lock on to a fighter or a baseball player or a football player. They see something in that person that they could either emulate or that they respect or that they admire. Whatever it is, that the connectivity today is not as strong as it was back then. And, you know, like, like, like I, I experienced firsthand. These guys interacted with us. They, they patted you on the back. They were part of it. These were legends, and they they welcomed you to their round table, and they wanted to be engaging with you. And and you know another thing was this, and I I realize now why every great trainer, you know, when I started in Gleason's uh, also there was Ali Stolt. He was a great trainer. Uh, there was Chicky Ferrara, great trainer, and I would always thank them and say thank you for showing me, thank you for showing me, thank you for doing this, thank you for that. You know what they would say? The first thing they would say out of every one of them. And I, I was wondering why were they all on the same page? They would say to me, Sal, just remember to return this favor and show some fighter what I showed you one day. Or they said, May, be, be, be able to be in a position to show another fighter. Now it all makes sense, Billy. They realized the importance of what they were doing in the gym taking their, their, their experience, their old school, and having it duplicated through me, which me carrying on and have it duplicated to another fighter. That's exactly what they were trying to do, pass on that legacy and those pearls of wisdom and those things there. And that's why they'd always say, just make sure you pass this on to a fighter worth, worthy of it one day. I swear to God, that's what they all said. Oh, Everyone. Okay. And, and you can see today, they don't do that. Now it's like, yeah. hey, I don't want <clears throat> to... I want to fight the easiest guy for the most money. That's it. I don't care about the history of the sport. I don't care about the fighters before. I don't even care about my trainer because I'm going to get a new one next week. You know. So uh, uh, anyway, hey Sal, uh, we got a lot of stuff uh, going on. A lot of news we're going to announce uh, when we uh, get back. Uh, but next week uh, I will be with you. Uh, you and, will. And, and we yeah. are uh, working on uh, a project that uh, uh, we're uh, real excited about and. Uh, uh, we will be uh, announcing that uh, in the near future, along with some other stuff that you don't even know that I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about. Uh, and uh, the thing I want to remind everyone is, uh, programming note, we will not be here on Friday. We are going to do a show tomorrow, and tomorrow's show we will discuss the rematch between uh, Kovalev and Andre Ward, uh, which will be uh, coming up not this weekend but next weekend. And then after that fight, Sal, we will be doing, that's after tomorrow, we won't be back until the post-fight show that we do live uh, immediately following uh, Kovalev Ward 2. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about Kovalev Ward 2 tomorrow along with all the other news. So uh, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be excited about that. But Sal, I'll tell you what, uh, as we uh, get ready for this, and uh, I will uh, talk to you about this uh, later, but uh, uh, it's that time. We got we to gotta kick it to the curb, and uh, we want to remind everyone to make sure that they tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'm going to leave you with this. Ciao, baby.
Da na 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 na